This is Novel Marketing, the show that gives you innovative ideas on how to sell more books. With your host, agent, author, and marketing maven, Thomas Umstead Jr. And best-selling, award-winning author and marketing guru, James L. Rubart. Episode 190.5. I'm James L. Rubart, but you can call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr., but you can call me Mr. Umstead. (laughs) I love it. In this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about the recent changes that MailChimp has made and how this affects you as an author. So here's the deal. If you haven't heard, MailChimp has made some changes in their business model that is sending, in some people's opinions, some shockwaves through the author community. Now, if you're not a MailChimp user, this episode might not be applicable to you, but we think it still could be because the principles we're going to chat about will apply to you, whatever email marketing service provider you use. So with that in mind, we're going to do this episode a little bit different. I'm going to interview Thomas as if I'm you. So I'm going to try to um, get inside your head and ask the questions I think you would be asking. And I'm going to try to ask the questions that I would ask as an author if I hadn't already researched the subject. So with that in mind, Thomas, we should dive in, but we should comment that a lot of our comments uh, during this episode are going to come from an article, a blog post written by David Gaugren. And his question is, with all these changes, is it time to ditch MailChimp? So we're going to have a link in the show notes where you can go and read that article for yourself, but we're going to riff off of that article a little bit here and there. Yeah, and this was one of the most discussed uh, posts in the Facebook page, or Facebook group, rather, uh, this week. In fact, one of our most discussed posts ever uh, in terms of uh, chatter of a uh, listener-initiated uh, conversation. So I know a lot of you are asking questions about this, and it has been at least a year since our last major author scare. So just about a year <laughs> ago was the GDPR scare where everyone was panicking, and it's about time for another big scare. And so we'll we'll navigate this one. Like GDPR, this will affect some of you. It will not affect others. So let's I guess let's walk through what's changing at MailChimp and why. And so before we get into the what has changed, I want to talk a little bit about why MailChimp is making changes. MailChimp, I imagine, has been losing users to their competitors, ActiveCampaign, Drip, and ConvertKit. That's where people have been leaving MailChimp for a long time to head to these other platforms. And the reason they're leaving for these other platforms is that those platforms have CRM features that MailChimp doesn't have. CRM stands for Customer Relationship Manager. And so MailChimp, in an effort to be cool like the cool kids, uh, is decided that it is now a full-service CRM platform and not just an email-sending platform, much to the astonishment of the current MailChimp users uh, who only want to use it for email. Okay, Thomas, let me stop you right there and say, for those who aren't familiar, what is CRM? Give us a little bit more explanation of what that means for folks. Yeah, so it's a tool for, CRM doesn't mean very much. Uh, I've seen it used in a bunch of different industries and used in a bunch of different ways. So in the B2B space, it's a contact manager to help you with like sales follow-up and things like that. It's customer relationship management is what it stands for. The original CRM platform is Salesforce, which authors don't use because it costs, you know, can cost 
tens of thousands of dollars a month. It's a B2B CRM solution to throw out a lot of jargon. Um, <laughs> for authors, what a CRM looks like, uh, a good CRM for authors is something like ConvertKit, where it manages um, your readers based off of in different ways. So different readers are treated differently. So a reader who's just beginning gets different emails than a reader who's read all of your books, potentially like that sort of treating different readers differently. It's very difficult with MailChimp. It's easier with ConvertKit. Uh, there's a lot of CRM features that authors don't care about, uh, which is why we don't recommend and have never recommended tools like Active Campaign or Drip uh, on this podcast. We may have recommended Drip a little bit. But it's overkill. It's lots of features for people who are wanting to do things uh, that authors don't care about. And MailChimp in that way is getting more complicated. It's getting more robust. Do you think that's coming because there's a demand for it from or it's more we want to compete? We don't want to lose out on this higher end business. No one wants to be MySpace. MailChimp doesn't want to get MySpaced by active campaign or drip or convert kit. And so it's wanting to steal the features from the folks that it sees as being more powerful platforms. That said, as far as I know, MailChimp is the biggest player. Uh, no one has more customers than MailChimp. Although what MailChimp has is a lot of the low end free users and less of the high end users. In fact, I've always recommended as you get a bigger list, you move away from MailChimp because it's just not powerful enough once you have 10,000 users or more. If you're wanting to do you know, advanced onboarding campaigns, um, let's take uh, someone like Chris Fox, for instance. Uh, he's been a MailChimp user. He'd be better served as a ConvertKit user, and he's switching to ConvertKit. So if you follow Chris Fox, um, you were getting emails from MailChimp, and soon you'll be getting emails uh, through ConvertKit because he has three major series uh, and three different cinematic universes, for instance. And fans of one series may not be fans of his other series. And ConvertKit allows him very easily to segment those audiences. So somebody may be a fan of one, someone may be a fan of two, uh, someone may be a, a fan of different two, and someone may be a fan of all three. Those three or four different authors can all, or readers can all be treated differently with ConvertKit uh, by, by using tagging. And it's um, very easy to do. Whereas with MailChimp, it's difficult, almost impossible to treat those different readers differently. Okay, with that in mind, give us a broad overview of what MailChimp, essentially, what have they changed? What is everybody GP, GRDP, GRDDP over? GDPR. Yeah, so whatever's everyone panicking over. So they're actually not changing very much for most people. So if you currently pay for MailChimp, nothing changes. Uh, and if MailChimp is free for you, it probably is going to continue being free for you. The big change that they've made is that you're no longer, if you're new to MailChimp or if you're on a free plan, you're no longer charged based off of the size of the list. You're charged based off of the size of your audience. Why does this matter? Well, for a CRM, you're wanting to track your whole history of your relationship with someone. So maybe they subscribed and then they unsubscribed and then they resubscribed. And you're wanting to track that relationship through all of the twists and turns of your you know, interactions with this uh, customer. And so they're charging you for that unsubscribed person that they're still 
uh, tracking. Where this gets to be really annoying for authors is that if you have a lot of unsubscribes on your free list, it may trigger the fact that you need to get a paid list. Uh, and the kind of uh, author who's going to have a lot of unsubscribes is the kind of author who's doing lots of giveaways and mail, um, mailing list swaps because there's a certain kind of reader that's just wanting the free stuff and then immediately unsubscribes, which doesn't normally do much harm. But now it does do harm potentially. But here's the deal. If that's you, if you're currently on a free uh, MailChimp plan, you can archive your unsubscribed um, readers so that you don't actually get charged for them. And if you have 2,000 subscribers or less, this takes two or three minutes. So Novel Marketing, our newsletter, is on the free plan still. We don't have 2,000 subscribers. I went in and it took me about four minutes to archive our unsubscribed folks. Part of that's because we don't have a lot of unsubscribes. You know, people are happy with our emails. It's also because our list is new. Uh, you know, we were terrible email practitioners and didn't do it for the first several years of the podcast. Which is, Preachers, but not practicers. <laughs> yeah, it's just very embarrassing. Um, and so the older a list is, the more unsubscribes it's going to have. It makes sense. People get new jobs, they get new email addresses, their emails change, and those folks get unsubscribed one way or the other. So the author media list is much bigger. We have a paid account and uh, we have tens of thousands of unsubscribes over the 10 years that that list has been on MailChimp. It's a very old list. It's, you know, it grows at a very healthy rate, but it's got the natural churn of any old list. And it would take me hours to unsubscribe every or to archive all of those contacts especially if I was doing it 100 at a time, which is seems to be the fastest way to do it through MailChimp. Fortunately, I don't have to do that because if you're a current user, you're grandfathered in. And so if you're a MailChimp user and you're new to MailChimp and you have a list of a few hundred people, you don't have to do anything. Your unsubscribes are insignificant. You're still going to be free. Um, if you are like at 1,800 people on your list and you're right on the edge, uh, you're going to need to go in and archive between now and June 15th your unsubscribed folks or it may you may have to start paying for MailChimp. A lot of people have been like, now is the time to leave MailChimp. you got to move to one of their competitors. And they have links, uh, affiliate links, <laughs> where they make money if you move to one of their competitors. And I checked uh, some of the competitors that people are talking about, uh, like MailerLite and uh, ConvertKit. And while these are good companies, they're still not cheaper than MailChimp. ConvertKit's more expensive than MailChimp. Uh, MailerLite um, is only free for the first 1,000 subscribers. So if you have 15,000 subscribers, it's still free for you with MailChimp. It's not free uh, with MailerLite. Uh, so for a lot of people, the best thing for them to do is to just not panic and to stay on MailChimp. It's going to be cheaper and way less hassle than moving. Wait a minute, Thomas. Are, 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 are you saying that this is like last year where we had this really cool crisis and it turned out not to be a crisis? It, that's what you're saying. It's happening again. It, it's not nearly as big of a crisis as people are making it out to be. I mean, people are panicking. And I know people who are paying for MailChimp who went, are going in and spending hours archiving all of their unsubscribes, which they don't have to do. They're grandfathered in. And yes, MailChimp is not committing to having the same prices in perpetuity, right? Because legally, that would be 
a terrible thing to promise because of inflation. All prices go up eventually. And and that's effectively what MailChimp is doing. They're slightly, they, the cheapest player in the market or one of the cheapest players in the market is slightly increasing its prices um, for some people. So that's the bottom line. I mean, that's how, that's how you would describe it as the bottom line. Um, that phrase that, yep, they're increasing their, just like Netflix increased their pricing a little bit. MailChimp's doing the same thing. Is that a fair statement? That's right. Uh, and if you, depending on how you manage your list, um, if you have a list of 1,800 people and you have you know 2,000 people who are unsubscribed, your price would go up a lot, right? There's a tiny group of people whose uh, potential price increase would go up a lot. But if you just go in and archive those you know 2,000 unsubscribes you have, which will take 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, your price won't go up at all. Uh, or very little. Uh, they're making some other changes. Like they now have a, like a basic plan and a pro plan. Um, that I, I forget exactly what they're called in the, to have full automation features, you have to pay for that more expensive plan. But I, I put in the pricing for me and it's still cheaper <laughs> than a lot of their competitors. So while their prices are going up, they're still one of the cheaper options out there. Uh, Drip and Active Campaign and Convert aren't ConvertKit aren't cheap, right? These CRM platforms are very pricey, and their bigger competitors are even more expensive. So uh, there's the world of email marketing. There's a lot of really expensive players. Mailchimp has been at the bottom, and they're moving slightly up in terms of pricing. They're moving slightly up in terms of features. Uh, what I'm not super impressed with is all of these other features that Mailchimp is adding to email. I don't think they do tagging well. I don't think they do um, automations well. Uh, you can't do um, logic where if people do this, then they get this. If they do this other thing, they get this other thing. Like where kind of um, subscribers interact with the list and kind of inform you what they want. That's really easy to do with ConvertKit. And I realize I'm not doing a good job explaining it. But these are all advanced features. <laughs> like most people don't use any of these features. Uh, and MailChimp is is putting those advanced features that most people don't do in this more expensive plan. And... Um, now, the one downside is that a, an onboarding sequence, which isn't that complicated. And if you want to see this done well, look at the novel marketing uh, email list. Uh, we have this really good onboarding sequence. We have five or six emails that come out over the first two or three weeks. And people really like those emails. They respond to them. They click on the links. Uh, they open them at like 50 or 60% open rates. Really good engagement. That is actually going to be harder to do if you don't get the more expensive plan. Uh, the cheaper plan won't have any kind of automations at all. Wait a minute. So you're saying that that kind of automation, that drip campaign, that on onboarding sequence is not going to be available in the free plan? Um, I don't think so. So let me, ch let me double check. I know it's not available in the cheap plan. I don't think it's going to be available. And yeah, so it's not going to be available in the free plan. So that is probably the biggest loss. That's a major change. Yeah, that's the biggest loss. The free, although I will say when they first rolled out automations, it wasn't in the free plan. Uh, so when I was a kid, you had to pay to get the automations. Then they rolled it out to the free plan. I was like, ooh, goody, goody. Uh, and now um, they're adding it. So for uh, the author media list is around a thousand people. So for us, looks like it's going to be 50 bucks a month. They don't have a thousand dollar level. They only have the $2,500 level. Um, so that is a big jump at that price. 
I would move to ConvertKit. And Jim and I have been talking about moving to ConvertKit anyway, because uh, we want to be able to use their more uh, sophisticated features. Uh, so let's just real quick look at the ConvertKit's pricing uh, for some comparison. So for a $2,500 list, uh, it's this. Uh, it's about the same. It's forty nine dollars um, breakdown. Uh, so Mailchimp is getting more price similar to ConvertKit, and dollar for dollar, I would not go with Mailchimp uh, if you're going to pay because ConvertKit is so much easier to use, and that's the thing that I really like about ConvertKit. Uh, but if you're on a free plan and you don't have automations, Mailchimp is still the cheaper, better option. Mm-hmm. So then that becomes the question of, do people want to automate or not? How how important do they believe that is? And you and I believe onboarding sequences can be really powerful. But if somebody's not using MailChimp in that way, if they're simply communicating with their their list on a regular or semi-regular basis, MailChimp is probably still the best option. That's right. And you do get a one-step automation still. So you still get a, thank you for signing up for my list. Here's the email with the goodies. You can still do lead magnets and stuff like that. Um, but you are more limited in that free version. And a lot of people who are getting the free version are unhappy, and I get it, right? When you're getting something for free and you're like, somebody's telling you you need to start paying, that's frustrating. Uh, but MailChimp has always had the most generous free plan. And what the results of that, and I know exactly what they've gone through, when you have a free plan, you get the least sophisticated users. So somebody who's got a list with 100,000 people on it, they know what they're doing. Like it took a lot of skill to build a list that big and they don't have very many tech support questions and they're relatively easy to handle as a customer. Whereas somebody who's just getting started with email marketing and they haven't read any books on it, they're not listening to podcasts like ours and they just, somebody told them that this one is free. They have a lot of questions. It's very expensive to support that customer. And so that customer is very unattractive to a company like MailChimp because they both don't pay very much money or maybe no money at all and it costs them money to give them a free service. And so MailChimp is looking at their financials and they're like, why do we have all of these free people that are just costing us money uh, or we're losing money, right? So they're only paying $20 a month, but they're asking $30 a month worth of questions um, to our you know, expensive support team. Uh, we need to rearrange how we are as the, like the bottom feeder, so to speak, uh, which I get. Hmm, that's good. Yeah, it's like the it's like the uh you know the the business guy that walks into his building every day and and there's a homeless guy standing there and the homeless he hands the homeless guy 5 bucks every day for 29 days. And then he comes by the 30th day and he doesn't hand hand the homeless guy 5 bucks and the homeless guy goes, "Hey, where's my $5?" Right? At a certain point, Mailchimp is saying, "Hey, we've been providing this for you. We've been providing a good service. We're looking at our financials. It's still a competitive price if you want these features." but they're still giving it to you for free if you want to go with that route as well. That's right. So if you're a beginning author and you all you're doing with your email list is building it, so you've got 100 or a few hundred subscribers and you're thinking about adding a reader magnet, you know, a short story, you can stay with MailChimp and it will grow with you to 2,000 subscribers and you don't ever have to pay with any pay any money. You don't really have to do anything. Every you know, a few months, maybe check in and archive the folks who've unsubscribed. Uh, and MailChimp keeps working for you. And that is most authors, right? Most of the people who are panicking fit into that category. Then you have the authors who have big lists of 10,000 people. And many of those authors have already been considering or already switching over away from MailChimp just because the platform is not that powerful. And MailChimp is trying to make the platform more powerful 
which I totally understand, right? They're trying to become, they want to be convert kit when they grow up. Uh, the problem is they're not yet and they're wanting to charge like they are. Uh, so you want to move to convert kit. You know, if you've got a 2000 person list, convert kit at 50 bucks a month is cheaper, but $50 a month is a lot of money, right? Like you got to really be using that list to, to justify the $50 a month. Um, mailer lights cheaper, uh, and pull up the pricing. Um, but uh, they're not that much cheaper. Uh, they are simpler. Uh, so mailer light for a 250 person list is $15. So that is actually quite a bit cheaper. So by the time you pay $50 with mailer light, you're at a list of a thousand. So if you're wanting something cheap, if you're at that $2,000 price point, mailer lights uh, a, a viable option. Not $2,000, 2000 member or 2000 names. Yeah. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, if you have 2,000 people on your email list and MailChimp is wanting to charge you 50 bucks to have an automation that reaches those folks, MailerLite will reach those same people for $15. So it is the cheaper option. Um, but it's not as powerful. Yeah, not as powerful. The other thing is this gives you an opportunity to, to go into your list and call your list where if you haven't done this for a while, and Thomas and I have talked about this, but just a quick reminder, you need to go in and look at your list and see you've probably got a lot of names on there that are never opening your emails. And those are people where you go, you send out an email to them. Do you still want to be involved in this or not? And you get rid of them. You, you unsubscribe them. And and those are names you can archive as well. So if you're teetering on 1900 uh, addresses, you can probably get that down to 1500 pretty easily. So you don't go over your 2000 uh, email address limit. Uh, yes. Although I will say MailChimp in the last couple of years has made culling your list harder. Uh, which is kind of obnoxious. So you can't create a segment of people who have not opened your last 10 emails, for instance, or have not opened your last 50 emails. That is hidden. You can you can no longer do that? You can't do that. You can only sort based off of how many stars people are, and that is very kind of vague what, that, what those stars mean. Oh, wow. Okay. I did this with the author media list, and I purged... Um, three or 4,000 people off the list and the open rate didn't increase because I did it based off of stars, not based off of actual activity. And um, I got rid of good people along with the bad people. So th that is one of my frustrations with MailChimp. One of the reasons why I am planning to move uh, to convert kit, but most people aren't at that spot where they've got, you know, 9,000 people on the list and they're wanting to purge the inactive folks. Most authors who are just getting started and have only four or 500 people on their list, their open rate and click-through rate is really high because all of those people on that list are within two degrees of separation of the author, right? They're either friends or they're friends of friends and they have really high engagement numbers and they can still get really good performance off of a free MailChimp list. So while everyone's panicking and everyone's leaving MailChimp, you may not be the kind of person who needs to leave uh, MailChimp with this change. If you're still using it for free, you can keep using it for free. Uh, and unless you have an automation, a drip sequence set up, uh, you won't be affected. I like it. That get that, that gives people some some choices and in some some places of investigation. And it, it lets you ask the question, wow, how important is my email list to me? How much am I using it? And maybe it'll make you use it more than you have been using it to get the, the worth out of it. So I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. And this is a conversation Jim and I are going to have, you know, is moving to convert kit worth paying $50 a month, right? Our patronage is $300 a month right now. So that's, you know, one, uh, what is it? Uh, one 20th of, uh, of our money, 
one one I don't I don't do math live on the air, but it's a big chunk, <laughs> right? Of of the money that comes in uh, for the show uh, is moving to ConvertKit worth uh, that shift. And the reason why ConvertKit is so expensive at that lower level is because, again, people with newer lists have lots of questions, and answering those questions is very expensive. Uh, and b- bigger lists aren't more expensive. Uh, oh, so much of the cost of using any sort of web service is support. It's not the technology. It's answering the questions, which is why so many of the free services have no human you can talk to because it just doesn't work to have a, a human uh, to talk to. So Google, everything is free, but there's no one at Google to call if something's broken. <laughs> Unless you pay money and suddenly there's somebody to call. It's how it works. Yep. Okay, Thomas, anything else you want to say before we wrap? I just want to say we'll uh, be following the discussion on this very closely on uh, the Facebook group. So if you go to the Novel Marketing Facebook group, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Are you moving away from MailChimp? Why or why not? Where are you moving? Uh, you know, why, you know are, are you in the category of people who, you know, automation is really key for you and you want to keep those automations? Or are you in the group of folks who are like, I never got around to setting, setting up an automation and now I have an excuse <laughs> because it's going to go away. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, do let us know what you think. And it'll be interesting when June 15th rolls around and some people find out that they have to start paying for the first time, uh, how unhappy they will be. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have not joined the Novel Marketing Podcast group on Facebook, we'd love to have you join and uh, join the discussion. So, Jim, I hear that you have finally seen Avengers Endgame. Uh, Did you like it or not? I loved it. You know that from our past discussions that I had some points that I quibbled with with Infinity War. And for me, everything wrapped up uh, very satisfactorily very emotional uh yeah i loved every element of it so long movie certainly long three hours but i think they had to make it that long and it would be curious to me to view the deleted and outtakes because i'm, I'm sure that would have made it a four-hour movie so <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing they cut down <laughs> cut down quite a bit but yes totally worked for me how about you i laughed i cried it moved me down. <laughs> it was better than cats. <laughs> it was no seriously. I teared up at points. I laughed. It was it was exciting. It was not what I was expecting, especially uh, the first and second act uh, was not at all what I was expecting. So there was. That's uh, why we're not spoiling much because there's a lot of great surprises. Although at this point, I imagine most of you who were going to see it have seen it. A lot of yeah. But if you've not seen it, it's um, really good storytelling and uh, especially long form. So they, they, the, uh, this is not a, a spoiler, but Endgame is kind of the end of the first three seasons or first three phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it brings a conclusion to a, like an era, uh, which is why it's such a big event. And, you know, they set up a lot of things for the fourth era. And this is not the you know first time they've ended an era, right? They've So the third era that's, or the, that's being brought to an end. Um, but they did it very well. And the storytelling over those first 21 movies and how they connect um, was really done well. They brought them together well. Well, I was just going to say, as an as an author, think about the story arc, the entire story arc, how it started with the Marvel Universe and how it ended. And I'm not going to say anything more than that because I don't want to spoil anything. But I, they, they really thought this thing out. That's what I love about it. It was the the, the whole thing was interconnected. I love that. It's actually a good example of a chiastic structure and two act storytelling. 
uh, which is in the Asian style. So in the, in the Western literature, we tend to write in three acts. In Eastern literature, it's more often that they write in two acts with a uh, and I would, if y'all are curious, and we'll give this as an option, if y'all would like me to break down um, a, a Western um, fiction versus Eastern fiction and why anime is so different uh, from the movies that you see coming out of Hollywood, I, I have a guest who's an expert on this that I can bring on the show. It's a little outside of our topic for book marketing. Maybe we'll make it a patrons-only exclusive episode, but it's a fascinating discussion, and my brother is a subject matter expert on it. And uh, it's really studied it well. And it's very, yeah, really eloquent on the um, Western versus Eastern storytelling. And it's interesting because people are, there's a huge demand for Eastern storytelling. Uh, Eastern made video games and Eastern anime uh, is more popular every year, I feel, than the year before. You know, a lot of young people really like that style of storytelling. And I personally really like it. I, you know, th- there's some really cool, innovative storytelling being done in anime right now, which if you have a bias against cartoons is maybe a bit of a surprise, uh, but uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's fun. And uh, it, it's fun to watch like, as the West influences the East and as the East influences the West. Uh, I feel like storytelling is getting elevated as a result. Yeah, that could be a really fun episode. So yeah, let us know. Let us know. I love that idea, Thomas. We do a lot. We offer a lot of episodes that we don't end up doing because people don't request them. So this is up to you. Don't feel like somebody else is going to request it if you want it. I guess that wraps us up, Thomas. Yeah. You've been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks so much for listening.